We live inside a dream. Greetings and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. My name is Haley Joel Osmond. Uh, hello, welcome to Stan and Dave wow. Need Wedding Dates. Uh, we see movie people. Yeah. <laughs> my name's Eric Keppel. And my name is Jude Law. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, joining us today is, of course, the great composer John Williams mm. to talk about uh, the film AI. You know, Jeremy, it's it's pretty crazy that we, you know, we just finished watching every Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch movie for this podcast. Right. What do you think of that? Uh, <laughs> I guess it hasn't really dawned on me yet that, like, we're done and that we actually have to now have a private discussion about what we're going to do next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we got like probably, realistically, probably like two months or something because we're going to do Twin Peaks The Return. Um, but, uh, you know, if you have any suggestions, throw them, throw them our way. Our, our Twitter handle is at ChuckyRules420. Uh, you can also DM us if you, for some reason, don't want your... Uh, <laughs> yeah. your suggestion to be public mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah, because you're, uh, you're a creep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, uh, you know, we, we talked, uh, I think we talked about, you know, maybe Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, it might be fun to cover, like, uh, an actor's career. Uh, that might be an interesting an interesting thing to do. We're open, we're open to ideas. Uh, I think a- pretty much anything other than what we've already done. I don't think we can like. I don't think there's been a long enough gap of time yet for us to go back and do the Chucky movies. <laughs> but soon, maybe next year. Soon, you yeah. Know, soon. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. Um, I think that I would love it. I would love to do the PTA films. Uh, I've also been kind of interested in revisiting the Harmony Korine films. So I think Ooh, that I like that. I think that there's a couple of things we could we could play around with, um, and you know who knows we might we might have a conversation you and I Eric and decide we're done, or <laughs> we could decide like we want to change up for. I mean, there's no telling what we could do. So don't don't think listener. Don't feel like safe right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you should definitely feel unsafe when you listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or who's watching you. <laughs> or who's watching, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, you me, know. How do you, how do you feel about, about inching close to the finish line here? Because, I mean, technically, this episode is, is merely a formality. This isn't even a Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> no, it's it's not. And we, you know, we could have... I, I, you know, I, I guess it's, I think we should, I think it's good that we're covering it, but 
It's also, you're right. It's not, it, it would have been fine if we didn't cover it also. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, <laughs> I sort of like went into this movie thinking like, okay, I can kind of like let my guard down a little bit because it's like, you use a lot of your like mind when you're watching like a Stanley Kubrick or a David Lynch movie. Right. And not to say that like this movie's for for like stupid people because it's not. It's you know I will talk about it. I think it's a pretty good movie, but it's it I, you know I just didn't feel like I had to like analyze it so hard. You know, as a uh, uh, eyes wide shut or something like that. Yeah, it's all in the presentation, right? So it's like. Yeah, it's just like the presentation of the film is done in such a way that kind of makes you feel like you don't have to do any work. That's the magic of Steven Spielberg, baby. <laughs> Popcorn movie. Popcorn movie. But I still, I still think, so it's weird that like Inland Empire and AI, you could very much argue we're going out on two lows back to back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think that AI is a slight... Uh, cut above Inland Empire. Yeah, I think I think you're. I think I would agree with you. Uh, you know, it seems a little more coherent, <laughs> right? And um, it's and it's so it's like kind of like we went on a low and a little high, <laughs> little tiny yeah, yeah, yeah. bump, but not not quite the heights of any of the actual Kubrick films. But are you like gonna miss these two fellas? Are you gonna? I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, this whole time, the David Lynch stuff, I've been, like, so excited to revisit all these movies and see some of them for the first time. And same with Kubrick. And now we're, we're kind of like, next week we're going to start The Return, uh, which, by the way, I think I put out a poll on Twitter. It looks like people want us to do two episodes at a time, like we talked about. So uh, for next uh, episode, we will be covering parts one and two of The Return. Um, if that sounds good. And, uh, yeah, we also have some good, uh, sounds like at least two good guests lined up for that when we cover the, the return. So that would be, that should be fun. But no, I, I've kind of been like really, uh, really antsy to get to the return because I really want to know what you think and I want an excuse to watch it myself. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I'm super excited. Yeah. Could be more excited. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so, but now now I did kind of have this realization today, actually, where I was like, oh, well, I'm not going like, to really have an excuse to, like, go back and rewatch these movies. But then I realized I don't have to have a fucking excuse to go back and watch <laughs> these movies. You, you can watch Wild at Heart whenever the hell you want. Yeah, you can just do it, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Um, Real quick, our Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing $5 a month bonus, weekly bonus episodes over there. It's $5, and you get four bonus episodes, sometimes three, in a month. Uh, all good stuff. They're, uh, you know, we're covering Tales from the Crypt episodes. We just did a, an episode on the, uh, the conspiracy theories around uh, Eyes Wide Shut and uh, after this, we're going to record our sort of retrospective ep- episode on Kubrick and Lynch, and we're going to give our, our rankings of our, of our movies, uh, which I spent uh, far too much time on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Jump on over there. And um, yeah, I don't know what... Uh, I feel like there's something we should 
Are we good? Do, I we, think do we're we have good. something else we have to do? <laughs> I think we're right. good. I just, uh, you know, I, I I think it's a bittersweet feeling that we're that we're that we're feeling right now. It's a bittersweetness where we're kind of. It's like I don't even want to do the episode because then it's over, you know. And once it's over, it's over forever. Yeah. And yes, sure, I could watch AI again on my own, but will I? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so AI, you know, 2001 came out, uh, directed by Spielberg. Uh, it stars Haley Joel Osment, Jude Law, Francis O'Connor, Brendan Gleeson, William Hurt. Uh, so the screenplay by, uh, by Spielberg and screen story by Ian Watson were loosely based on the 1969 short story Super Toys, Last All Summer Long by <laughs> Brian... Aldous. That's a great uh, title for us for a, yeah. for a uh, book or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So development of AI originally began with producer director Stanley Kubrick. Uh, funny that they say producer director and not director producer. But uh, after he acquired the rights to the story in the seventies. So basically, uh, Kubrick mainly because he felt computer-generated imagery was not advanced enough to, do, to create the David character, whom he believed no child actor would convincingly portray. Mm. Uh, he had kind of like put off, put the project off, and eventually handed it off to, uh, to Spielberg. So my question to you, Jeremy, is like, well, two questions. So do you think, uh, how do you think Haley Joel Osment did? Like, do you think... Uh, that role could have been done better by some type of a CGI situation. No, Haley Joel Osment rules in this movie. I'll say that. I agree. Yeah, I think Hands like down. he's uh also Haley Joel Osment kicks the ass of every other child actor from that era. <laughs> like Haley Joel Osment is like oh, yeah. one of the best child actors who's ever lived. Like him and Macaulay Culkin have something going on that is just preternatural. Like it's just. It's infinitely watchable, and I think that Haley Joel Osment also nails the sort of the sympathetic robot character. Like it's yeah. it's such a weird thing to have to portray, but he somehow does it like in 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 such in such a unique way. I think like if I was doing it, I really would do like your intro, Eric. I'd be like, "Hello, my name is," <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like I it it's just it's very interesting to see him to see him in this role, especially like up against like the sixth sense and pay it forward where he plays just like different versions of children (laughs) in different films. So, yeah. Yeah. I never knew, you know, I was surprised. I didn't know the guy from my favorite movie. Tusk was an actor as a child, nor did I, nor did I. (laughs) Yeah. He's in Tusk, right? Yeah. This is the second Haley Joel Osment film we've covered. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Also, Kubrick said that this was closer, uh, AI is closer to Spielberg's sensibilities, which, uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, so Spielberg said that this film is closer to his sensibilities? So part of the, part of the reason Kubrick, uh, asked Spielberg to direct is, is saying it was, quote, closer to his sensibilities, closer to Spielberg's sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I believe that Kubrick. I, I believe that Spielberg took all of the production notes and pre-pro stuff that Kubrick had gathered. I think he just had access to all of it, 
and made this movie as best he could. But yeah, I don't know what that means. It's like closer to, I guess. So one thing about this film that I will say is that the ending is definitely not a Spielberg ending. This de- this definitely feels like it maintained a Kubrick ending. Now, how the rest yeah. of the film is portrayed and like how are things presented to you? Very much not a Kubrick movie. Very much a, a Spielberg movie. But like some of the choices feel like like Kubrick choices. And that's about as much as I'll give it because like Spielberg saying that this is actually a Stanley Kubrick's movie that he just ghost directed is like that's wrong because this is yeah. this is a Spielberg movie if I've ever seen one. Like it it's yeah. al- it's also yeah. like it, it belongs in the crappier era of Spielberg films. Like this is post like Jurassic Park and post some of the the practical effects stuff that he was doing in the 90s and this is on to everything is computer generated everything is cgi for the most part it's not like the it's not like uh you know ready player one level bad but it's it's like it's just kind of a lot of it like doesn't hold up and looks kind of ugly because most of it's like old cgi yeah yeah um i mean what do you think yeah I, you know, I think, uh, I do think that this sort of like concept is more, I see it as more of a Spielberg thing than a Kubrick. I was trying to picture the Kubrick version of this movie and it was kind of hard for me to do, uh, to be honest. I was kind of like, I don't know. It, it feels like a Spielberg movie more, more so than a Kubrick, uh, or like just like the general sort of idea of it. Um, so a little more info on that. Uh, so they collaborated for a couple of years, resulting in Kubrick giving Spielberg a complete story treatment and lots of conceptual art prior to his death. Uh, Spielberg used this to write his own scenario. So contrary to popular belief, Spielberg claims that he introduced many of the darker elements, uh, while Kubrick's main contribution consisted mostly of the sweeter parts. Uh, in a 2002 interview, with uh, a 2002 interview with Kubrick, uh, Spielberg indicated that the middle part of the movie, including the flesh fair, was his idea, whereas the first 40 minutes, the teddy bear, and the last 20 minutes were taken straight from Kubrick's story. Yeah, I believe that. I, I, yeah, I, me too. That, that sounds exactly right. And I think that the only thing I think that's wrong is for Spielberg to assume that the beginning and the end are the sweeter moments. Like you know, like in the DNA of the beginning and the end of that film, they're incredibly dark and harrowing ideas too, conceptually. They're just not like overtly, obviously dark, like some of the middle stuff that Cooper, that Spielberg is kind of claiming as his own, you know? Yeah. You know, I'll say this too, actually. Uh, I actually think that the, first 40 minutes and last 20 minutes are maybe the most boring parts of the movie for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of like them. I kind of like the setup to it. I, I like, uh, and the, and I, I don't lo- really love the ending, but I will say it does feel Kubrickian. Like it kind of feels like 2001's ending a little bit, you know, yeah. like ending up in a strange space that doesn't make sense. And, you know, I don't know, but, but yeah, like the, I guess, what are your, well, we'll get into the film and then you can tell me what your favorite parts are, but 
Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm also not somebody who hates this movie. Like, I don't. I don't di- necessarily dislike it. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What about you? <laughs> oh, I I'd never seen this movie before, and I you know I I, I enjoyed watching this movie. Actually, I, I I had a good time with it. Yeah, you know, um, not uh, you know just as sort of like a you know an entertaining flick. You know, right. Um, uh, it, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest Spielberg fan either. I knew a guy that was like obsessed with Spielberg and I'm like, that's like kind of like, I like Spielberg movies, mm-hmm. but it's almost like kind of lame to be like <laughs> obsessed with Spielberg. Yeah. He was like a big film guy and he's like, oh, I just like obsessed with Spielberg. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like being obsessed I mean, with vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in order to, uh, so th- these are just some random trivia tidbits that I thought were kind of interesting. In order to further his non-human appearance, each day before filming, any of ha- Haley Joe Osment's exposed skin was shaved <laughs> to give him a plastic look. What? I don't know if you picked up on that. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the World Trade Center is seen in the New York City scene of this movie, uh, set many years into the future after 2001. Less than three months after this, uh, the 9-11 attacks happened, uh, and despite controversy and criticism, Spielberg left the Twin Towers in the DVD release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm totally fine with that. I don't don't (laughs) understand what our country's obsession is with, like, you know, we know we knew what they looked like. Why do you have to remove them from the film? Because like, looking at them is going to make it better that they fell. I don't. It doesn't make any. You know, it's not like they're yeah. Confederate statues that like have deep dark. <laughs> you know, like like uh, uh mean hold deep dark meanings. It's like they they were they were just statues that I mean they were just buildings that that were destroyed. Like why I. Yeah, the, the, the same thing happened with Spider-Man. I don't know if you knew that, but like, oh really? The very famous sequence in Spider-Man where he like, yeah, he like is on, he's like chasing a helicopter, I think, and he like uses his webs to catch the helicopter in between the two towers, and uh, a lot of that, yeah, that got removed, and um, yeah, it's just like, okay, man, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I guess if there was like a line where Haley Joel Osment was like, look. I read about that. The strongest building in the world in history, <laughs> <laughs> the World Trade Center. Yeah. Uh, so this is my favorite piece of trivia. Uh, it was Stanley Kubrick's idea to include the industrial metal band Ministry in the movie. Uh, he was a big fan of them and called the lead singer L. Jorgensen, asking him if he would like to be in the movie. <laughs> L, assuming it was just a prank, hung up on him. Awesome. <laughs> that happened Imagine to our uh, like, that happened to our boy uh Vince um oh god, full metal jacket guy. What's his name? Oh, D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. Imagine like later doing that and then later realizing it was Spielberg or yeah. it was Kubrick. Did he end up in the film or did he Uh I don't think so. That's awesome. So he just hung up thinking it was a prank. <laughs> Uh, Spielberg used the water-filled set from the perfect storm for the flood, uh, the flooded world of the future in this movie. I was trying to figure out what that means, the water-filled set. 
So is there just a set that's just like an ocean? It, I get, yeah. I mean, I kind <laughs> of, I, I guess they they had like a sound stage or a set that that was already like rigged with hoses and soaking wet and and uh, and able to like get take a lot of like water damage. And so, you know, maybe they were filmed around the same time, so Spielberg was able to just move in. You know. I mean that happens a lot where you know slick production schedules will have you know overlapping sets or overlapping locations where you know as soon as a film is done another film moves in actually the shining when the shining was wrapping up Steven Spielberg moved into the Overlook Hotel set to film one of the Indiana Jones movies and that's actually how mm. Kubrick and Spielberg met Oh interesting I think I learned about that from somewhere. Read it. Probably. Or maybe that's in one the, of the uh, many episodes we've done about the shot. The fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's. It, maybe it was somewhere in the 40 hours we've spent talking about <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> uh, all right. This is the last. This is the last little piece of trivia I'll, I'll throw in there. Uh, I kind of like this. Robin Williams recorded his dialogue for the movie with Stanley Kubrick directing the, the recording session. He did it a long time before Spielberg was attached to direct. Uh, he did wait. He did what? So all of the Robin Williams dialogue was recorded. Uh, that was all directed. The recording was directed by Stanley Kubrick. So those recordings existed before Spielberg was even a part of the project. Oh wow! And then he just incorporated them in, I guess. I f- yeah. Wow. Um. All right. Well, what do you say? We talk about the plot of this one, or uh, do we just skip that part? Yeah, let's one? just close strong. <laughs> uh, Robin Williams. Is this the only Robin Williams Steven Spielberg collaboration? You know, uh, I feel like it's not. But uh, what the hell do I know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's also interesting because I guess this isn't that interesting. It's just coincidental. But Robin Williams would have gone to play Bicentennial Man, which is essentially this exact same movie where except Robin Williams is a fully grown man robot. I've never... uh, Have you seen that movie? Is that movie good? Yeah. I mean, it's it's Okay. okay. I mean, I think this is better. But, uh, you know, it's okay. Because it's one of those movies that I just remember seeing the uh, goddamn, like, DVD cover for. Right. Yeah. With uh, the bright light. All the time at Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you should watch every Robin Williams film at least once. Um, Just for his performance value, I think, is really high in in all of his movies. Even Even movies where he's, like, a bit player, like, nine months. Uh, yeah, I think Robin Williams is definitely like, especially if you're an actor, definitely worth worth uh, checking out. I'm also like, re- regretfully, did not know how many other voices, how how many big name actors were voices in this in this film. I did not know Meryl Streep, Ben Kingsley, Robin Williams, and Chris Rock all play, you know, different. I recognize Chris Rock. Yeah. Ben Kingsley, maybe. I don't know. But uh, 
All right, so we're in the 22nd century. Rising sea levels from global warming have wiped out coastal cities, reducing the world's population. Uh, you know, that's probably actually going to happen. Yeah, no, uh, it, it, it's not probably. It definitely will happen. <laughs> and I, yeah, and like that's... Um, I, I I need to do some private research on my own just to know how long have we known about climate change? Like, when was the first time climate change was discovered? Because, like, it... it Eric, we've been dealing with climate change for so long. Like, yeah. this movie's 20 years old, and this isn't even the first time. I know it's, I know global warming is a concept that's older than that. It's just so nuts. <laughs> um, Mecca, humanoid robots seemingly capable of complex thought but lacking in emotions have been created. Uh, in Madison, New Jersey, David, a prototype Mecca child capable of experiencing love is given to Henry Swinton and his wife, Monica, whose son, Martin contracted a rare disease that has been placed and has been placed in suspended animation. So here's my like problem with the, I guess, premise of the movie is why I don't buy that people would actually want this. I don't buy that. Like, yeah. People would actually want to like take on the responsibility of having a child, but it's just a robot, right? And it doesn't age. You know what I mean? Like, right. what happens? Like, you know, you ado- adopt this robot child, and then like three years later, you realize, shit, I'm just like stuck with this thing forever. That's like, <laughs> right, always, always this twelve years old yeah. or whatever. Good point. I I do buy that some people would want this, but not people I know would want this. You know what I mean? Like, like there are people who want all kinds of stuff. I mean, g- you know, get on get on a rabbit hole of looking at people who like have uh, you know dolls and stuff like uh, like what what like Lars and the Real Girl type dolls like that they pretend are real and stuff. So I think there probably would be a market for this, but. I don't believe it would be like an upstanding family who would adopt a a child in place of their son. It's also weird because it's like, it's more, uh, obviously it's incredibly humanoid. So it's not like having a dog or even a robot dog or a Chia pet or something, or like a Tamagotchi. It's like a human boy, (laughs) like, uh, so weird and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monica feels uneasy with David, but eventually warms to him and activates his imprinting protocol, causing him to have an enduring childlike love for her. Uh, David seeks to have Monica express the same love towards him. Uh, David is befriended by Teddy, a robotic teddy bear, which belonged to Martin. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Teddy? Teddy's a, a terrifying to me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i know uh martin is unexpectedly cured of his disease and brought home uh martin becomes jealous of david and taunts him to perform worrisome acts such as cutting off locks of monica's hair while she is sleeping you know i will say this is a good uh what what's the term for this where you like plant something you plant something that comes back later oh like a chekhov's gun type of thing yeah, I do like the payoff of this whole little like cutting off the hair bit. Mm, mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of good. I, you know, at the end, I I was <laughs> I was thinking about this not too long ago about like callbacks. Yeah, and how 
there's such a funny trick in like in a movie like this and then also in comedy mm-hmm. where they can have all these different effects whatever like the tone of the thing whatever the tone is that they're that they're being done in but all it really is is you're just like making the audience member feel smart be- yes. because they are reminded that they have a memory totally like a working memory yes exactly <laughs> totally i mean i think that like poetry is <laughs> there's a very funny george lucas quote that talks about how like callbacks are like poetry cuz they rhyme and it's it uh. and he sounds very stupid when he's saying it but and that's sort of the the joke the internet meme of it but i do kind of agree that we also like callbacks because like they do rhyme like they it makes us not just feel smart but it somehow connects thematically and so the art part of our brain gets a little tickle when that happens but yeah, you're right. Like if you're making a story and you're and you're having a callback, I mean, all you have to do is plan something in the beginning and have it happen at the end, and then yet yeah, the audience feels like a goddamn genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I felt smart. I uh, I put on a little graduation cap after I. <laughs> yeah. After I finished this movie. Yeah, uh, I, I, I dropped. Out, I dropped out of college when I <laughs> when I saw when I realized that I knew that callback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about time. Yeah. You've been you've been uh you've been in college for like 12 years now, dude. Practically a Van Wilder, you know what I mean? Uh at a pool party, one of Martin's friends pokes David with a knife, triggering his self-protection prote- programming. Uh David grabs onto Martin and they both fall into the pool. Martin is saved before he drowns and Henry convinces Monica to return David to his creators to be destroyed. On the way there, Monica has a change of heart and spares David from destruction by leaving him in the woods. Which is uh, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, this scene is actually like pretty uh it's pretty intense. I was like, man. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily like feel as bad as Monica does, knowing that this is a a robot. <laughs> but uh I don't know. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to watch, but with Teddy as his only accomplished, David recalls the adventures of Pinocchio and decides to find the blue fairy so that she may turn him into a real boy, which he believes will win back Monica's love. So, you know, I actually, I think I missed this little, uh, bit cause I, at, when I was watching this movie towards the end, I was like, what the, what is this like blue fairy shit? What is all that? What is that? Yeah. Uh, but now that makes sense. Um, David and Teddy are captured by a flesh fair. Uh, no need to explain <laughs> where obsolete Mecca are destroyed <laughs> before jeering crowds. Uh, okay. So this is people, uh, go into this like giant blimp floating blimp that just like hovers around this earth surface on like a Friday night and they watch like a heavy metal band and then they are basically watching like battle bots almost. Right. Like just yeah. Like a- <laughs> yeah. It actually, right. this part of it I think is, o- is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I love, yeah. I, I, you know, my favorite, part of the movie is the second act like all, all of this middle stuff mm-hmm. uh all the dark stuff that Sp- spielberg says uh he, he he 
was his idea. I like. I like a lot. Yeah. Um, it, it's cool. The idea of like these like humanoid like if what if humans could fight like we see them do in action movies in real life kind of a thing because there wasn't any there's not any threat of getting hurt or you're you know dying or whatever it's yeah, uh yeah. it's fun it's fun it's fun to it's fun to imagine but i guess the film is pre- you know kind of presupposing that it's in inhumane because robots are people too <laughs> yeah um David is nearly destroyed himself and pleads for his life. The audience, deceived by David's realistic nature, revolts and allows David to escape alongside Gigolo Joe, a male prostitute mecca on the run from authorities after being charged with murder. Uh, big fan of Gigolo Joe. Yeah. Great, <laughs> great character. Yeah. That's uh, Jude Law. Yep. Who's, and uh, He had a great career in this in this era of film, I feel like he was, he played a lot of really interesting roles for a, a long time. And then I don't know what happened. Like he's not really, he's not really playing interesting characters anymore, but do you remember the movie called road to perdition? I remember the name. I don't uh, know if I've seen it. It's just great. And you know, Jude law plays like a psychotic assassin in it. It's like an old <laughs> 19, like twenties mobster film. And he plays like this oh, weird great. assassin. It's, it's just like, he just has a, he has a weirdo quality to him. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I like this character's in line with that. I, I like this character. Um, you know, Spielberg directed Hook, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Robin Williams. That's right. That's right. I was, I, you know, it was killing me. You know, Hook is like almost literally my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Good times. Uh, David, Teddy, and Joe go to the decadent resort town of Rogue City where Dr. No, a holographic answer ma- engine... Uh, directs them to the top of Rockefeller Center in the flooded ruins of Manhattan and has also provided fairy tale information interpreted by David as suggesting that a blue fairy has the power to help him. Uh, Above the ruins of Manhattan, David meets Professor Hobby, his creator, who tells him that their meeting demonstrates David's ability to love and desire. Uh, David finds many copies of of himself, including a female variant, Darlene, boxed and ready to be shipped. This is kind of creepy. Yeah. Seeing all the Haley Joel Osments. Yeah. <laughs> hanging out. Uh, it's weird that they his... all looked the same. Yeah, that is weird, actually. If, like, you think of what their purpose is, <laughs> like, wouldn't you want to, wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. Because if you want to, ki- if, you, if, you, if you're, like, in a position to want this doll, you're like someone who wants a kid. And when you want a kid, you don't want it to just like look like everyone else's kid necessarily. No, for right? for sure. You 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 definitely wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Disheartened by his lost uh sense of individuality, David attempts suicide by falling from a skyscraper into the ocean. While underwater, David catches sight of a figure resembling the Blue Fairy before Joe rescues him in an ambitious aircraft. Uh, Before David can explain, Joe is captured via electromagnetic uh, by authorities, 
David and Teddy take control of the aircraft to see the ferry, which turns out to be a statue from an attraction on Coney Island. Uh, you ever go to Coney Island, by the way? No, never. I hear about it all the time in movies, but I, yeah. I assume it's just a fake place. Yeah. I am skeptical, too. If anyone <laughs> out there has been to Coney Island, let us know. Yeah, and then prove it, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pictures, or it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, the two become trapped when the Wonder Wheel... Uh, I was going to make an <laughs> Oasis joke, but... Yeah. I don't feel like singing. Uh, falls uh, on their vehicle. Believing the blue fairy to be real, David asks the statue to turn him into a real boy and repeats his request until his internal uh, power source is depleted. Uh, okay, 2,000 years later, humans are extinct and Manhattan is buried under glacial ice. Uh, the Mecca have evolved into advanced form called specialists and have become interested in learning about humanity. They find and revive David and Teddy. David walks to the frozen blue fairy statue, which collapses when he touches it. The specialists reconstruct the Swinton family home from David's memories and explain to him via an interactive image of the blue fairy that it is impossible to make David a real boy. Uh, however, at David's insistence, they recreate Monica through genetic material from the strand of hair that Teddy kept. Uh, callback. Callback. <laughs> Cre- yeah. That would have crushed in a comedy club. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this Mon- Monica can only uh, live for one day, and the process cannot be repeated. David spends his happiest day with Monica, and as she falls asleep in the evening, she tells David that she has always loved him. The everlasting moment he had been waiting for, the narrator says. David falls asleep as well and goes to that place where dreams are born. <laughs> uh, I would just like to say that punctuation go- should go inside yes, the, uh, the... the quotation mark. <laughs> quotation marks uh, to whoever edited this Wikipedia, <laughs> the AI Wikipedia article synopsis. Yeah. It's a little grammar tip. Uh, that's the end. That's the end of AI, That's Jeremy. it. That's how it ends. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, great. Uh, you said this is the first time you watched it? Yeah, this is the first time I watched. Interesting, it. interesting. You've seen it before? Yeah, I saw it before. I saw it, I saw it once back in like my last big Kubrick kick. I remember I was you know, trying to watch all the Kubrick stuff and had never seen AI and knew knew this story, knew this little anecdote that Spielberg and Kubrick kind of worked on it together a little bit and turned it on, watched it all up and uh, you know, I watched it again for this it's it's a it's a pretty good time it's a good movie overall um i guess i'll just say how i felt about it and then eric you can share your thoughts i i think that like something there's something about a film when you can like uh, speaking of a puppet speaking of pinocchio when you can see the strings of a film that's never like a great thing and like, for example, the idea that like they can only recreate Monica through genetic material for one day. Yeah. I'm like, you just made that up. 
<laughs> like this this technology doesn't exist for the purpose of your story you could have made up that you could have recreated her forever or something like you know it, it's just it's just weird like to make something like that up or to make up a problem for yourself from fake technology or something like yeah like yeah. uh other sci-fi films sort of would do it differently i think we're like for example if the star check if the starship enterprise you know gets hit by a asteroid you you can believe that because asteroids are real in space and if it hurt the flux capacitor which is essentially the accelerator you believe that because you understand like what a car is like or a, or a airplane but with this it's sort of just like they really rush through that ending kind of giving you all this information at once like that last paragraph it takes about 20 minutes of the movie or 15 it's like not that long of the movie and it's like a whole paragraph of information in the Wikipedia. <laughs> it's like a lot of stuff gets covered right at the very end. And that that's never like the most emotionally satisfying. But I do kind of like the overall like... I guess I like the themes that the movie presents. I always like our robots or androids do androids dream of electric sheep like i always love that kind of concept of like you know blade runner and stuff like what does it mean to be a human um those are always like really exciting uh you know films i think the performances are pretty good i think for me it just has a plasticky overall quality to it and in the end it, it it's kind of forgettable like it's kind of like a, a film that's like, yeah, that was good, but I don't think it's anyone's favorite movie, and it's, it's, it certainly doesn't stick with you like an actual Stanley Kubrick movie does, you know. And I don't know, maybe Eric, I want to hear your thoughts, but I would also like to know what you think that quality is. Like, why does Kubrick's works? I mean, almost every single one of his films stays with you in a way that this just kind of doesn't. Unless you disagree yeah. with that. <laughs> you know, I think this is better than anything Stanley Kubrick <laughs> could have even tried. I was assuming to, you no. were agreeing with me, and I'm like, why was I assuming that? You might love this film. I don't know. No, I do like this movie, but I liked it in a way of like, oh, I'm watching... Like, I do think it's like, you know, uh, technically a pretty good movie. It does seem a little dated, but that was part of why I liked watching it. Um, you know, it was fun. It was like... Oh, okay, this is a movie that's, like, good, and it also has sort of the nostalgia uh, kind of thing going where I'm like, oh, I get to watch, like, young Haley Joe Osment and Jude, Jude Law wander around, and uh, it's good. Haley Joe Osment's great in this. Uh, the cars look stupid. I hate <laughs> The cars are really dumb. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's certain certain elements that I really like. And I, yeah, I, like I said, like the first and second and third act are like kind of boring to me. I don't care much about this family or the fact that these like two like rich people really want to have a child. Um, you know, it's sad that their like child was sick in the beginning, but came back. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think, um, it 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 it's like I said, it seems dated and Kubrick movies don't seem dated to me really. No. I mean maybe like a Spartacus or something. That's not even 
like fully a Kubrick movie in my eyes. Right. But, you know, Kubrick movies are kind of timeless to me. Like the good ones are timeless. Even like A Clockwork Orange, you're like, man, that's, it's it's in its own like world that is just beyond like time and, and, you know, what we're kind of used to. Uh, Even 2001, uh, which is kind of wild to think that like, Someone could have made a space movie during that time that today is still, like, blowing people away. But, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, uh, you know, I it maybe it's interesting to me that Co- the problem that Kubrick had with making this movie was, like, wanting to have a CGI lead. Because mm. I, like, I don't think that would have been good, no. to be honest. No. That would have been like watching an animated Kubrick movie. And I don't know if I want that. No. <laughs> I don't know if I want really any CGI in Kubrick movies. It's weird. I wonder if Kubrick would have eventually landed somewhere in the... Like, I wonder if he would have landed on that this actually doesn't look good, thus it's like hurting my films. Or if he would have just been like Lucas and Spielberg who fully adopted computer-generated film and just like completely went the other way where like, like whole films of theirs are are just completely everything is CGI. The actors perform on green screen. Like I wonder who, what kind of a director he would have been like the artist in me wants to believe Kubrick would have maintained some sort of, you know, I don't know, integrity to like the film and performances and, and whatnot. But I actually don't know because, you know, again, Spielberg and Lucas both just like went and Zemeckis, they all like went so crazy the other direction where like, it's like their, their films are so plasticky and so um, hollow because of CGI. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know this, you know, it's an okay movie. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I saw it. Uh, it, it, it does seem to me like the more I read about it, I'm like, uh, I guess we could have skipped this. It doesn't seem like that much of a Kubrick uh, influence, really, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's sort of some of it does, but it's also very like it could have just not been at all. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's an okay movie. <laughs> AI is fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so next week we're going to be doing uh, The Return. We'll do parts one and two, um, and we'll go from there. We'll go. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going to two parts per episode is the recipe. So uh, we'll see you on the flip side. It's going to be a great time, uh, you know, Sign up for that Patreon, patreon.com yes. slash Eric and Jeremy, because we're not, you know, we won't be, uh, we won't be discussing movies for, uh, for a, a couple of weeks here while we do the return. So the Patreon is your, get your chance to, uh, sign up for, I forget what tier it is, but you can basically make us do an episode on any movie you want, um, over there. I think it's like 20 bucks or something. You get bonus episodes. We're doing all sorts of shit over there. Yeah. And of course, if you want to hear our, uh, rankings, of the Lynch and Kubrick movies. Sure. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, AI is my favorite Kubrick movie. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, hey, thanks for everyone listening who stuck with us through Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. I mean, like, we still got all the return to do, but, you know, this is this was a blast going through the filmography of these two geniuses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, if only the, if only Kubrick was alive today so we could have a finale where we have them fight to the death. Oh, for sure. If only Kubrick and David Lynch were both actually AI robot boys, we could have them fight in the flesh fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.